When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Motley Mike, I mean Metal Mike, and in this episode, Ryan and I react to the Motley Crew drama. We discuss it all, and when we're all done, we review our top 10 Mick Mars riffs. It's a fun one. Check it out. Well, Ryan, man, what's going on? Oh, man. Just living the Mick drama. <laughs> this one, this one kind of shocked me, you know what I mean? Because I feel like we, we probably all knew that this kind of stuff was going on. But to have it just kind of explode from both sides and all this kind of uh, back and mudslinging, really, it's worse than a political campaign, you know. It kind of it surprised me, man. How about you? Yeah, you know, it sucks because Nick's kind of always been the underdog and kind of been the one that's got trampled on all along, you know, whether it be like a, a bum marriage or, uh, you know, the, the band members kind of bagging on him. Like, I don't know. It, it used to be they really supported him, so... I feel really bad. I always root for the underdog, but I do understand there's probably two sides to this story. Yeah, I think so too. So I say right off the bat, man, because this is this is the hot button topic. Are you Team Mick or are you Team Crew? That's so tough because I'll <laughs> tell you right now, I'm after reading everything and having the the uh, accusations fly about people not playing or not playing up to par. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like. Have you heard Vince? I love Vince, but of all people, right. to not be slinging, and I don't think it came from Vince, but if you're going to sling at anyone, hello? like, <laughs> yeah. Shouldn't we be talking about the terrible karaoke impersonator that used to be Vince Neil, like up on a stadium <laughs> stage? I, you know, And I love Vince, but I can't back what – if there's any mudslinging from his camp, which I, I hope he has the taste not to do, right. <laughs> um, that would be the guy that I'd be like, uh – I don't think we have a problem with Mick or Tommy. <laughs> right. You know, I think I think I'm leaning toward Team Mick, but I think there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of unanswered questions and there's a lot of things that, you know, even us average people, we don't necessarily understand about how a musical corporation works and what's fair and what's not fair. So, like I said, there's exactly. a lot of things I don't really know what the what what the right answer is, uh, but it, it is unfortunate. So basically, I mean, unless you've lived under a rock, you ha- you haven't seen this. But you know, Mick basically came out. He called the band out for using tracks. They're trying to railroad him out of the band, trying to say that he sucks, giving him a really unfair offer. And I think that's where where I don't know because part of it's they're trying to say is okay, we'll give you five percent of all of the touring. But then after that, of this next tour, but then you're basically cut off. You know what I mean? And he's, yeah. I could say, I could honestly say, I don't think he deserves a dime from touring. Do you agree with that? Uh, from the tour they're on with Def Leppard now? Yeah. That's tough. See, uh, I look at me, it like I, this. I feel if, if it, the only valid argument, in my opinion, is he should be able to continue to be in the band and earn the same kind of income from upcoming albums, uh, reissues, whatever. But I don't think he deserves a dime for the live show. If you're not performing, I don't understand why you would receive anything. I guess that's the way I I would look at it. See, that's why I thought that if I were on... I guess I'm on Team Mick when you put it that way because if he was truly disabled to the point where it was amicable and they said, 
you know, let's go our separate ways. We'll get this young blood in here. He'll fill your shoes. He's honored. Mick gave him the proper send off. And we're going to give you X amount of percentage of all Motley crew earnings, including touring, you know, whether it be, it, it can't be a quarter anymore. It'd, it'd be a quarter of everything that was Motley crew while Mick was in the band, but say like, eight percent of future touring because of the name that's what i assumed would be going on in a situation mm -hmm. like this but if it is truly anti-mick and the roles were reversed eh, maybe you know then then you're right <laughs> he doesn't deserve that here's a okay so and then yeah here's the other thing when you talk about percentages they were offered them like five percent and then they were going to up it to seven and a half like, I don't even know what's normal. I can't imagine a guy gets, any certain guy gets 25%. I mean, there's, it's a company, you know what I mean? Like, there's all kinds of shit to pay for. So, I mean, I don't even know what the normal percent would be for a guy like him in, in a band like that. I don't even know. Maybe you could ask his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, so let's get into some of the accusations. And let's. I want us to get your take on what you actually believe and what you don't believe. All right, Mick is saying right. that Nikki Six didn't play a lick. All right. Now, after that, man, I went back and I I'm a bass player. I went back and I watched some of the videos. He looks like he's playing to me. And let's face it, his bass lines aren't that complicated. Do you buy that he didn't play a lick? Not one bit. I guarantee you Nikki Sick was playing a lick or right. two or ten or all of them. Right. I don't think there was anything piped in. Right. Now, do you, do you think that that is a dig at who the main you know cause of of his grief is with i think his major beef is with nikki six and that's where that kind of a comment come from, comes from you buy that yeah i do um when you said like it's a political smear campaign that's the same stuff they would pull you know what i mean yeah. so I, I feel like when when your track records are pretty damn good what's left you know yeah. personal attacks it's yeah. like these personal attacks are, are going to be what's left and that's a real shame yeah, and another, okay, so we've all seen that clip, or at least I've seen it, I, I, you probably have too, where like Tommy Lee's not at the drum kit yet, but the drums start, I think everybody saw that, and we all know that yeah. Vince has, you know, nobody's going to tell me that Vince's vocals, all of them are getting piped in, because they don't sound good, so they're piping in friggin' some real bad shit, if, 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 if it's piped in, I know <laughs> yeah. they've always had pre-recorded backgrounds, so to me, like, that's, that's whatever, that's always been like that, so people saying, oh, Somebody posted a clip of same old situation. Oh, it's his voice in the chorus from from 1989. It's it's always been like that. So that's not out of the ordinary for them. Yeah, exactly. When's the last time they actually hit the high part of the girls, girls, girls chorus, or even the chorus of Wildside? Yeah, short 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 of their female singers, backup singers, right? Hitting the notes for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's sad for us as fans is okay when Vince left. There was some shit talked about Vince. You know what I mean? We all, we all saw that. Yeah, they, they totally. talk, Vince, as far as I can remember, I remember watching Vince on Dennis Miller and all those kind of things. He was actually very yeah. nice about things. Um, but they were very mean. They were calling him fat, and they were picking on, you're invited, but your friend can't come. They've, they've blasted him in numerous interviews. Now, when Tommy left, I know there's a lot of problems between Vince and Tommy, like Vince sucker punched Tommy and stuff, but I don't mm -hmm. ever remember them slagging him too bad in the press. It was more or less like he was just going to go off and do other ventures, right? I don't ever remember them really slagging him. Do you? Are you talking about swagging Vince or swagging Tommy? Uh, Tommy. Like when Tommy left in 99 or 8 or whatever yeah. it was, I don't remember him getting I, slagged too much by those guys. I don't remember too much of that. No, I don't remember that much at all. The, the, my only reference to them kind of bagging on Mick was 
like when he started humping the, the backup singer on the Feel Good tour, that right. Nasty Habits girl yeah, that he ended up that. marrying, and she totally screwed him over. And you know that's why I'm also a little bit on Team Mick, and he and I are from the same same state. And if you get divorced in California, you are in a world of hurt. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, I can't speak from personal you know, experience, but man got friends that have gone through it <laughs> so you know i see what he went through but also reading the dirt remember all the crap they were giving him yes when you know on the airplanes on the feel yep. good tour when he was cozying up to her and all that stuff like they really really singled him out and then there was this thing where they said um bob dosley or <laughs> daisley from uh from uh, Ozzy from was trying to say Ozzie, that they were trying yeah. to get him out in 84 and he's trying to say they've been trying to get him out all along um, and I don't know if that's true or not, but let's face it, man. He is a key part to their sound. When you go back, honestly, the two credible, the most credible musicians in this band are Tommy Lee and Mick Mars. I mean, I think without these guys, yes. you don't really have a credible band. I mean, Vin, I love Vince. He's a great singer. He's not a songwriter. Nicky's a great songwriter, but he's not a great bass player. Without without Lee and Mars, you really don't have a band. Exactly. And I always really liked Nicky's kind of thundering bass. And... Um... I, that's why I can't I can't buy him having piped in bass on this tour because a it's not that tough to do. No, I'm not bagging on bass players. I'm bagging on his style of bass playing. No, it's so and yeah, and you know why not? But I totally credit Nikki for the songwriting skills, and always assumed that Mick was the one to to march it out and carry it out. How about the line where they said they've been propping him up? That I. I mean, I went to the tour and he didn't move an inch. Right, he, right. He he barely budged, which I had seen previously on YouTube and whatnot, and assumed that was the case. And and thinking all along, thank God his magical right and left hands still work. The poor guy suffers everywhere else on his body. So yeah, they're going to prop him up. But I, I assumed that's what was going on. Everybody understood that, and it wasn't the Mick Mars of the looks that kill video. No. Another thing that's kind of where I'm also Team Mick a little bit is, is where I think that is unfair is that they basically quit. They retired. They ended in, in 2015. They signed the contracts and all that kind of stuff, and that was supposed to be the end. And then this tour came along, and it was you know because of the dirt and everything that came along after, and then they got back together to do this. So in his defense, I mean, he was supposed to be retired, and then he could have just kind of hung out. But then doing this, they kind of brought him back out of retirement. He's like, okay, I'll do 12 shows. I think that turned into 36. And then he wanted to be out. I think they got a taste of the money and realized, hey, you know, we're physically in good shape. We want to do this. And then, then it seems like everything changed. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. If it were dollar signs and those guys were getting greedy as the, I don't know, three, you know, three quarters of percentage of the, the whole mess, I would hope that that wasn't the case because, like we said earlier, Mick sure carried them musically through their entire career. So, I don't know, man. I like like you said, I don't know the music industry inside and out, but obviously, like reading all the books, doing all the research, you hear a lot of stuff. So, there's a lot. Uh, of, I can own. There's a lot of legal mumbo jumbo, right? That's out there in yes. these variety uh, uh, articles. And one thing that struck me as really weird is they said there was a, an amendment in 2008 that was made after Mars and Vince um, left and returned. So I didn't know, well, first of all, Mars has never left until just recently, right? We knew Vince left, left in 92, but they were talking about some amendment when those guys left. 
And I didn't know what that huh. meant. I don't know if it was a typo. Maybe that it was supposed to mean Lee and Neil um, when they left, and they made some kind of amendments to the corporation. But so I don't know. Like, did these guys leave? But it wasn't like official. You know what I mean? Like the band dissolved at a certain point, and they were out. I don't know. So that made no sense to me. But you know, the crazy thing is, the saddest part of it is, is that you know when we look at the guys on their motorcycles on the girls, girls, girls album cover, you know, we think of a badass rock band. Let's face it, yeah. this is a big ass corporation. They said it's got like eight LLCs that all report under one major corporation. This is oh some my pretty God. corporate shit, man. And we've all like, what's I guess for me. It's always Kiss has always been. I know, like Kiss always bitch about each other, slag each other through the press. It's a big corporation type of a thing. But I don't know, man. I always kind of was like blindsided. I, I thought Crew really wasn't that corporate, but they're pretty corporate. I know, dude. And Nikki's um, last tweet reply, if I recall, when he kind of almost, you know, felt a certain. He just felt bad for Mick, and he yeah. said, "I love you, Mick." At the end, yeah. But then you see some of their other posts, and they are very kind of controversial with what's going on in the world and whatnot. And you know, he's blocking various people and, yep. as a band, and, and this. And that. It's like maybe I don't buy it, you know. And that's another reason why I'm I'm Team Mick because a he's an underdog, and maybe Nikki's kind of full of shit. As much as I love all these guys, like yeah, kind of it, it just bums me out. Like we've said before, you re- you read these books. Like when I read the Piercy book. I was like, well, shit, these guys really hated each other after um, the recording of Invasion. That sucks because I really like Rat, and now I know that they kind of hated each other. And here we are in the same position of Motley. It just kind of ruins it to a certain extent. I mean, I kind of deep down figured Motley Crue probably hated each other, but I didn't think think they really anybody hated Mick or Mick hated anybody. You know what I mean? I always thought maybe Vince. Like they probably all hate Vince still, and Vince is just there as as a necessity because he's what sells this band, obviously. Um, but yeah. you know, I don't know. I guess I guess it kind of shattered our vision of what Motley Crue's all about. You can't kick the poor guy when he's down. <laughs> now, do you think that? Not, well, here, okay, here's what's crazy. Mars wants a piece of this corporation, okay? But he just did major damage to the corporation because this could affect their ticket sales. Yeah, that's true. That's a tough one because they gotta. Okay, so prior to all this, when we thought it was. You know, oh, poor Mick, he can't pull it, and he probably did a, you know, a handshake. Good job, go get him, kid, with John Five, and he's pretty respectable, been around, been in other bands. You know, he's got videos of him practicing riffs off of theater and this yep. and that, which is killer. I don't know, man, that this... <laughs> I thought it would be a good fit. I thought people would understand and respect it and be like, cool, yep. good job, good fill-in, good replacement. If they record again, it'll be Mick, but for now... This guy's filling in as he's touring, but that might not be the case. How about the line? I don't know if you caught this one, and then I'll, well, we can end it here, and we'll jump into the top ten Mick Mars riffs. But here was one thing yeah. where I thought Mick went real below the belt. So he's he's really going hard here, and and I, I've got all these thoughts. I got to just try to get him out, and then I'll pass it over to you. Okay, I do think that <laughs> I do think that Lee and Six are kind of like the ruthless Gene and Paul type of guys in this band. I, I do believe that. And I think the last thing, though, where I thought Mick went real below the belt, and he's not wrong, but he said, he goes, we're talking about a corporation that has uh, felons employed, right? He called Vince Neil a felon for, 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 for doing the vehicular manslaughter. He called Tommy Lee a felon for um, the spousal abuse. And then he said, and then you've got a heroin addict 
that a known heroin addict that's part of this corporation. So he's like, they want to bag on me and say they got to prop me up and I'm a loser and all this stuff. Look at look who's you know the major players in this corporation. They're felons. I thought that was that was pretty low, man. <laughs> it's true. That is low. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty low. I I don't I don't like that one one bit because obviously everybody knows all three individual stories and yeah. None, we don't we don't uh, propagate any of them, but I I think that is pretty low. Do you, do you think that six and and um and Lee are like the Gene and Paul of uh, of crew? Oh yeah, I mean look at Vince isn't even photoed in like any of the group shots on this tour. Def Leppard and Motley are palling around apparently, and they're flying together and they're partying together and and sightseeing together. And Vince is nowhere to be found. And that's all over social media. When you see that, people are, where's Vince? Where's Vince? And he's probably on his own private plane with his wife and who else. And I would totally assume that they're the, the Gene and Paul of the band. And they've always been the, what do they call themselves, the, the Terror Twins? Terror Twins. Or was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, or is, that, mean, or is that Joe Perry and uh, I thought that was Joe Perry. I can't, oh, the Toxic Twins. Toxic I can't remember twins who's who. Must be, yeah. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, those two have always kind of been the guys. So in in Motley Crue 2022 and 3, absolutely, they're the Gene and Paul. Yep. Well, we'll see how it all unfolds. I, I think it's bad for business, uh, everything that's happening. Hopefully, they'll they'll make some kind of amends. You know, like you said, there's things that happened in the past where I never thought that Vince would be back after all the stuff that went down, but he came back. You know what I mean? So, so these totally. guys could make amends. You never know. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, let's jump in to a top 10 Mikmar riff fest. And, uh, and just to clarify, it doesn't necessarily mean that Mars wrote the riff, but it's just his, uh, everything that he's about made this riff great. How he played it, his guitar tones and everything. So what do you got for number 10, man? Nice. Yeah, well, let's go to some positive mix stuff here. <laughs> um, yeah, and I definitely went with my Mick riff love versus my Motley Crue song love. And I'm sure you were the same way yeah. where you were like, Oh yeah. You know, you could, you could have chosen a, a full different 10 had it been just Motley top 10. So, but, um, you know, I'm going to kick it off with Angela. You know, Ooh, you got, yeah. you got the, uh, yeah, you got the three new songs. And I say free cause teaser wasn't a brand new song on decade. And, they, I love all three of those new songs, and like I'll nerd out on these songs, uh, like like all day because this is where I truly think that Motley should have gone in a '92 Vince album. But as far as this riff, you got you know you got kind of like that foot stomping type of riff. You got like a almost an Eddie Van Halen style shredding solo, mm-hmm. so that's kind of killer. And then it ramps up a bunch and and kind of ramps down. Uh, it's kind of like a guitar player's dream with that that cool outro riff. So I got to give a, a shout out to the three new songs on Decade, and uh, one other one might pop up later. <laughs> I bet. All right, this one's a weird one, but I kind of went with the more weird ones. I noticed that like those are toward the bottom, and then I think all the big ones are toward the top. But uh, I like eerie riffs, and, and and if you mix a little bit of sleazy in there, and I love the riff to Dancing on Glass. Man. I, 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 oh, I, boy. My glass. I just love that riff. A lot of people don't like that song, but... Bah, bah, 
now, 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 now. It's just, it's kind of eerie sounding. I think it's like minor notes and things like that. And uh, and just his tone on the Girls, Girls, Girls album is so good. It, so, it has a consistent tone throughout the whole album, and it's really nasty and cool. So, uh, yeah. And I think I think the Girls, Girls, Girls album is over, or not overrated, it's underrated. Because for the longest time, I feel like people just kind of bag on that album. There's not a lot of good songs, people say. But uh, there's some cool ones on there. So, yeah, I got Dancing on Glass. Well, in essence of time, I won't say all my thoughts. But I will say I did think about this a lot because I really enjoy that album as well. But Dancing on Glass, I absolutely think that it starts off so hot. But, dude, by the end, they have a chorus of female choir going on in this <laughs> ambling piano in the background so i just immediately say no to that song <laughs> right but you know what i you know what i noticed about that album in general i, I kind of dig like it, the experimentation that they're kind of just randomly throwing in between that song and even something like nona when you sit and just listen to nona yeah. sometime it's pretty messed up like it's not typical motley crew so i definitely like how they were kind of spread on their wings a little bit and experimenting even within a you know a hair model sleaze framework you know oh yeah i dig it all Number nine. All right. I got tonight. We need a lover. Oh, yeah. Theater so, of Pain's got um, some good riffs, man. I know a lot of people don't like Theater of Pain, but it's got good riffs. Yeah. So I chose this one because, like, it basically, if you ever notice, the chorus matches, basically matches the riff. So, you know, when he says, tonight we need a lover, tonight, it's exactly as the riff plays yep. but it stays it's spaced out with with like open chords whereas like um use it or lose it the guitar riff matches in in that really busy don't throw it away yeah. don't throw it away yeah, part it and it's it. like yep. that to me i don't love the busyness of that so i went with like more of the open chord tonight um and actually this is the only one i chose from theater as a, a little teaser right there but uh it's the only one, even though I could have chosen a lot, but I, I chose it for those reasons. Yeah, I think Theater of Pain has great riffs. I, lo- I do like Use It or Use It or Lose It, but then when I went back, it was like mm, something was missing. It just didn't have enough. Ball. Yeah, didn't have enough balls. But my number nine, man, I went with Fight for Your Rights. This has nice. such a great, like, what's cool about this song, and if anybody hasn't listened to this song in a long time because they're anti-theater of pain, go back. It's got a really straight-up metal intro riff, right? And then as it gets going, the song actually has a real groove. So when you get to the chorus, you know, it's like, it's almost girls, 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 girlsy kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's got a really good groove, and the guitar solo for that song is phenomenal. They actually play, like, a separate riff. That go that's different from all the other riffs during the solo, and then it breaks down after the solo to just bass and vocals and drums, dude. That that song, like I, that's such an underrated song. It's so good, but yeah, I'm gonna go with the two riffs, the the intro verses, and then that chorus riff. So good. Nice. I have it in my honorable mentions because I I love that chorus so much. Yeah, so good. Number eight. Yeah. All right, I got Toast of the Town. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you listen to it, it's really ahead of its time. Um, I hear, like, future Britney Fox a lot when I go back and listen to this song. And obviously Pretty Boy Floyd. Yep. Um, but 
it's just such a cool structure and the fact that pretty boy floyd could rip this one out in 89 and and make it really relevant and sound current and cool uh it just is a testament to their songwriting capabilities almost 10 years prior so mm-hmm. you know T- toast of the town is a what uh is an outtake if you will so but yeah check it out going eight man i'm going saints of los angeles I love this riff. I feel like this is like the most motley riff that we've ever gotten on a like a more modern, you know, motley album. Uh, once again, right. this this may not be Mick playing it. <laughs> There's rumors that it's DJ Ashba or Ashba, but um, I say that that's Mick. It, it sounds like Mick, and I've heard him play alive numerous times, you know, on videos and stuff. So that that's just a cool riff. It feels like Mick. Uh, I don't think he wrote that riff, but uh, I don't know. That's a great riff. Yeah. I like it. Um, you know, I, I'll fully admit right now I didn't go past uh, actually new tattoo, so I, I stopped there and I included one in my honorable mentions. But I went with the classic crew. I couldn't. I couldn't really go past it. <laughs> That's where the best riff, the best riffs are, man. So number seven. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Number seven, I went with looks that kill. And I'll tell you why. So, Looks the Kill is just another hit that I can't turn off or escape. Yep. And uh, this riff is just so simple and killer. And it's it's so much so that about, I know about 10 riffs on guitar. And this is one of them, you know, like that's a bunch of a guitar player I am. But, uh, you know, also like the solo in the video really makes this song even more mm-hmm. ripping. But it's that perfect song with the perfect guitar solo and that Vince scream at the end that matches it so well. So... You know, again, one of those hits you just can't turn off. And it must be played on a white warlock. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude, for sure. (laughs) But uh, I've got... I got that one rated a little bit higher. Uh, Number seven. I'm going to come on and dance. Something about that, you know what I mean? It almost sounds like a motorcycle starting. You know, just something about that just has a real gnarly sound to it. And then when you get going, it's got some pretty cool stuff happening, different breaks and and, and a lot of guitar work, uh, you know, throughout the song. So I just always thought that was a really cool riff. And it's just uh, the the guitar work on Too Fast for Love is very interesting stuff. And, uh, yeah, that's what I got. Come on and dance. Yeah, I didn't do too much of the, the... Too fast because I just like a lot of it was a little bit too chimey and busy for me. Yeah. Um, but I mean, all the choruses kind of keep it together. But yeah, I'll I'll stop there because I, I kind of talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> <laughs> number six. All right. With number six, I went live wire. So um, you know, it's probably what started it all. It's like. It, it set the tone for true 80s hair band rock. You know, yep. like Van Halen and a few others did it, but this riff's opening speed and de- demonic, melodic hard rock just kills, and you can't escape this riff. So, again, a hit, but I went with it. Yeah, I love that one. I may be talking about that one later, too. Uh, number six. Now, this is a song I definitely don't care for anymore. I've just... I just don't really feel the love for it, but I think the riff is is really amazing, and I and I think that there's sometimes you got to separate the riff from the song. Not that it's a bad song, but um and, and there's a Mars credit songwriting credit, so this could be actually a, a main riff that he wrote. Is the riff for girls, girls, girls? 
such a oh, cool yeah. riff. It's you know it's really um, really groovy. Once again, I feel like he's got a good groove, and you put him and Tommy together, really good groove. And uh, yeah, and of course the sound, the tone is very sleazy, very nasty, pretty heavy for for that kind of song. And uh, yeah, just a cool riff. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna save my comments as well. <laughs> All right, number five. Number five, I got on the name of rock. I was thinking about that one. That's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah, dude. I, I call this the third savior of that album. <laughs> Between the title, Wild Side, and this, it was like, that's kind of it for me in terms of like what I really go to now. But um, great song, killer opening drums, guitar, all that stuff. It was the opener on that tour. And I was thinking about this. Like, It kind of sucks when bands forget about songs like this literally like a year after they are done touring that album. You know, right. ACDC is really guilty of that. Yeah. As are all bands, I guess. But yeah. when they want to promote their new stuff, they obviously open with a new song. So, but like, let's face it, there's really like only about seven albums that crew chooses from when they go back and tour these days yep. and play their stuff. So can we just keep this one in the set? Like, I understand that not <laughs> everybody will know it, but come on. I love this song. <laughs> no, this one is is a, is a true example of a cool riff and a cool guitar tone from the girls' album. But for number five, yeah. I had to visit Dr. Feelgood. And this is another song that I'm not totally, you know, I'm kind of played out with it. It's weird that I'm putting those kind of songs on there, but I can't deny the riff. And that's Kickstart My Heart, man. It's such a, yep. it's a hype riff, you know? It's so much hype. And then with Mick doing the talk box and all the, the the solo is really good. Everything about this, man, to me, even though, like, I know Six wrote the whole song and he wrote it about himself and blah, 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 I get it. But um, it, this song just has Mick Mars written all over it for me. Yeah, dude. And, I mean, it's played in, like, every hockey and baseball and football <laughs> arena still. Did. So it's, it's, it's perfect. It's a great song. You know, and the other thing I want to mention is if you go back and look at the, the Dr. Feelgood CD, Mars's name is listed first on a lot of the music. So he's a big part of that album, and it's, it's their biggest album. But even some of the songs that like I don't want to always go back to, like something like Sticky Sweet, go back and listen to it. It's a really good riff. I mean, the riffs and the guitar playing are, are so good. Even if you don't think that's like their greatest song, man, he did some great guitar work on Dr. Feelgood. Yes, he did. And... Back to Kickstart. Have you ever seen that '70s glam band? I can't remember who it is, but they basically like like it seems like Nicky may have ripped off the riff completely. Um, no, I didn't know that. Oh, dude, check it out. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who what '70s glam band it was, but that's actually why I didn't include it. It's pretty much exact, but <laughs> I'll never I'll never knock this song because it's freaking awesome. But anyway, <laughs> uh, number four. All right, number four, Bastard. So to me, yeah, dude, this is like the epitome of Mars layering and a killer opener with that patented lead over the top. You got the single guitar ripper with that lead, just like perfection yep. as as he does it in that Mick Mars fashion. But it's that great verse spacing for, for like clear lyrics to shine through. Yep. And um, it's a great example of a guitar, like a guitar player staying in his lane, just it's just fast and pissed and perfect for that 83 pissed off phase. And he didn't spend too much time soloing either, which is also a kind of a, 
a, a staying in your lane type for this song. It, it's fast, it's speedy. We don't need a long solo, but yeah. it's just bad. I love this one. You know, I had this. Uh, I, this made my honorable mentions because I just couldn't squeeze it in. But yeah, it's a great riff, and I think what makes it even better is what you're talking about is the solo, and he's like. He's with that double picking really high stuff. Yeah. It's so it's simple, but it's it's effective. It's so good. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, I got one from Shout at the Devil is number four. And I gotta go too young to fall in love, man. Just I don't really need to say much more about it. And I think any riff where you can like pull like a, a guitar slide before you start it, you know what I mean? That sounds so good, you know. That that's a great start, but it's a great riff. Yep, that and Red Hot, dude. Like Red Hot, he he, he slides down a guitar neck about twelve feet long. <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, it's killer. Oh yeah, I, big I, time. Yeah. So, but it, again, that's too young to fall in love. Is one of those songs where the riff matches exactly what they say in the the melody of the chorus, and it actually works really well because a lot of the times that'll kill a song, but this works really well. Oh yeah. Number three, girls, girls, girls. There you so go. So I can't I, again. I can't knock the hit. It's it's this riff that is just sexy and groovy, and it's just from their filthy '87 phase. And like, thank God for this song and the two others that I said earlier. Yeah. But like, you know, I'll never get sick of Back in Black, Animal, Look What the Cat Dragged In, Lack Communication, and some of the bigger crew crew songs. But uh, you know, also you, you got to love the, the story about the outro when it abruptly stops because the rumor is Mick fell off the stool while recording that outro. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of killer. That's a little, little nod to Mick right there being as probably effed up as he was in 86 or seven recording this song. You know, and I, and I think we were, we were taxing about this, but I think when you go back and, and you're trying to scan the songs to find the riffs that you really are, think you think are the best, you're listening to this band as a whole and you're like, man, this band was a really good band back in the day. You know what I mean? Today they yeah. might be a shell of what they once were, but you know the riffs, the drums, the vocals, the lyrics—really, really great band. Always going to be one of my favorites for sure. Oh yeah, dude, really just monstrous. I love it. All right, my number three—it's a played-out song, but it's undeniable, man. Doctor Feelgood. Between the beginning chug and then the and uh, this I believe that Mars is the primary music writer of the song and it shows it's a great riff it's a heavy riff it's probably one of their most well known riffs off their biggest album so I got number three and may I add that it is my favorite aspect my favorite moment of any music video ever of all time when or Mick. When Vince drops in from the ceiling and gets back into the groove of, oh, I've got the one thing yeah. you'll understand. Yeah. And he's just, dude, that part where he just comes in hot in it. Dude, that's my favorite part of any video ever. So I have this uh, in my, it was like number 11. <laughs> and you got to give Mick some props when he's like, I'll come play with Dr. Fuck. Oh, yes, dude. <laughs> so that, he, he looks great in that video. He looks just Yep. Like that little monster that he is. Yep. It's awesome. Yep. Um, all right, man. What's your number two? Number two, I got Primal Scream. Yeah, I knew you were going to. I was thinking about this one. I, I knew you'd put it on yours. I knew it. Oh, I love this song, dude. Like like I've always preached, 
a 92 Vince Motley album would have just killed, and I'm so pissed they didn't do it. But anyway, I know. Um, you know, it's where they should have gone, but uh, it's harder. It's mature riffage for Mick. The guitar solo is almost like it's a blues guitar solo. If you listen to it, if if it's singled out, you think it's a blues song, which is kind of cool. You know, it's just a hard crew song, but um, it's a lot of people's favorite crew song and yep. of the decade songs. It's definitely one of their favorite. But um, if you remember, uh, I don't know if you studied the decade of decadence home video as much as I used to obsess about it, but. At one point, Vince is sitting there playing pool, and he's talking about Mick Mars. And at the end, he goes, after this solo plays through, he goes, that's my Mick. And he's so proud that Mick is his guitar player in Motley mm-hmm. Crue. And it's such a cool moment. So I really like the reference in that song. And, um, you know, he loved for your fellow bandmates. Yeah. So anyway, that's why I put it number two. When you talk about that bluesy stuff that he does, even with heavy songs, that's very much mixed thing. Theater of Pain is where you notice it the most. There's no blues playing on um, Shout at the Devil, but you can get pretty heavy tracks that do that kind of... (laughs) He does that little thing, you know? He does it a lot. And and for some odd reason, it does work. Even the heavier songs, when he throws in those blues licks, it works. Yep, totally. All right, well, these my last two are ones you already mentioned. I just rated them higher. And I, with number two, I know, at least from a songwriting standpoint, on the album it says six wrote the whole song. But Livewire, it's a great riff, and mm. I don't think it could be – I don't think anyone else could play it the way Mick plays it. It just gets you hyped up. It's got a lot of balls. It's crazy, and I love it. Dude, yeah. Um, the video – Oh yeah, I mean that's ahead of it. That's ahead of its time as well. That's that's, that's another stuff. shiny moment for Mick when he's spitting the blood. Even though there was a band before them that did that, but it's still cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who could that be? <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Number one. Number one. Knock 'em dead, kid. That's a good. Riff. That's a good. Shout out to Double Man. has got like if you're looking for like good old straight up heavy metal riffs, this is the album. Dude, I could have just thrown out Shout out the Devil and said, "Here you go, here's yep. my ten. I know, I know. <laughs> um, but this is like my blueprint for a perfect ripping '80s hard rock song. I get the guitar tone from Hell. It barely varies from this from section to section. You know, the intro, verse, chorus. It barely changes, which is so pleasing to the average listener and that exaggerated long long longer than usual solo and right back into that chorus chug it just like man i'm not a guitar nerd by any stretch of the imagination but like it's such a a sweet guitar solo i don't care that it lasts like maybe four or eight bars too many (laughs) it's perfect so oh dude this is this is what grabbed me most on shout of the devil when i first got it so as a song complete I love it, and as a riff, I really love it. It is a good one, and I'm going to end off with Shout at the Devil, and I'm going with Looks to Kill, man. I think that, in my opinion, I've been saying it for years now. It finally hit me in in more recent times, but I just think this is their best song. I think it's their coolest riff. I think if if somebody didn't know what Motley Crue was, I would just give them this song and say, this is Motley Crue, and I think it just checks off all the boxes. You know, catchy, great lyrics, uh, great vocal, awesome guitar work the drumming i just think it's a great song and it has the riff is what drives the song and that's my number one great choice man uh i mean it, it kind of goes to show that people really gravitate towards shout and there's yep. a hell of a good reason for that yeah 
I know you had you had fifteen. So if you just want to rattle off your 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 oh, poor, yeah. poor guys that got got kicked off quick. Yeah, totally. I had a PC or action in there because that was one of my you know not so busy um, yep. uh, uh, too fast ones. And uh, I had Doctor Feelgood. I had punched into the teeth by love, mm. but um, on new tattoo because that was really supposed to be from the '92 would would have been album um i really like raise your hands to rock mm, that's mm-hmm. a great song and, and nick does that cool acoustic thing in the beginning five years dead i had yeah um and if if you notice in that song it's it's similar to like a warren d martini riff where like when you listen around and round you can kind of like wrap off every moment of that song but i bet you anything people don't really know what warren's doing under the verse in that song and it's just the same in, in five years dead where it's like oh dude that's a really killer riff if you really pay attention and then um as an honorable mention in like the what were you thinking category why didn't they put rodeo on an album <laughs> dude like really that that would have made maybe girls 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 but kick off time for change and put rodeo on dr feelgood and that would have been instead of six times it would have been ten times platinum <laughs> I already know the answer, in my, at least in my own mind. The problem is rodeo is the theme of rodeo is too much like home sweet home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, and true. I think I, I don't know if that's why. That's just that's my opinion. But it is a great song. Uh, but there is something cool about your all I need, and I think it does fit the theme of the girls, girls, girls album. So I kind of oh, just yeah. say, you know what, I accept it. Uh, some of the songs I was kicking around, um, I, I did think about Bastard. I did think about Ten Seconds to Love, Bitter Pill, uh, Primal oh, yeah. Scream. Oh, yeah. So I had a, a call, Use It, Use It or Lose It. Um, my one of my all time favorite tracks that nobody else likes but me. Save Our Souls. <laughs> I thought about that one, <laughs> but um, you know there were a few good ones out there. But I, I feel pretty confident with the ones that I use. So yeah, it was fun, man, and it just made me. Even though, like, right now, we like you get to the point where, like, you don't know if you want to listen to Motley Crue because you're just mad at all of them. But then when you listen to them, you're like, oh, they're so damn good. I'll give them the pass. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? Mentioning Save Our Souls and then me playing it in my head right away, that's a really good example of Nick Mars carrying a single guitar band because yep. he could continue with that opening soloing. And I don't know if it's Nicky or, or, or uh, Tommy carrying him, but the... the the tune still plays while yep. he's doing that. So, good choice. All right, brother. This was fun. Well, hey, we'll see how this Motley stuff shakes out. I'm sure it's going to go into court, and I'm sure it's going to get maybe even uglier. But, uh, you know, if anything, it it gave us something to talk about and kind of surprised us <laughs> and, and maybe see what was behind the curtain when it comes to Motley Crue. So. Well, the the drama continues surrounding this band 42 years later, so <laughs> that's all right. It's the same stuff as they've done every, every year since, but yeah, I'll never stop being a crew monster, so yep. good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks, man. Have a good one. All right. You too. Take care. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, hey, it's always great talking about Motley Crue, even if it was a little negative at times. It's always fun. Hope you enjoyed it. Rock on!